Tomorrow, Holy Week begins with Palm Sunday, and here in Canada, we are two weeks away from a federal election. Needless to say, there are a lot of people who are not paying attention to Holy Week and Easter, and a lot of people who are not paying attention to the election. I think the latter group is larger. You see, we have this voter apathy problem in Canada, or so they say, because voter numbers are at an all-time low. But I don't think it's apathy. I think it's comfort. You see, people in Canada are comfortable. No one here has to worry about their rights being abused, although some people do complain about this. No one really has any reason to go hungry, although some people do go hungry. We have a pretty good health care system. It's not perfect, but it's pretty good. So why would people really be bothered with elections? In the last 20 years since I've been of age to vote, things have been pretty much the same, whether we have a liberal government or a conservative government. So if it doesn't make a difference, why would I vote? It's not that I don't care, it's that I don't need to. Things are good, so maybe that's not such a bad thing after all. Canada's economy is doing better than most other countries despite the recession. Our dollar is strong. Our employment numbers are up, so they say. Oil is expensive, but it could be worse. So, I don't know about you. Instead of putting all my hopes on politics, I'm putting all my hope on Holy Week and Easter. Then, on May 2nd, I'm going to vote, but I will do so as an act of thanksgiving. We have it pretty good. God, keep our land. I'm Pedro Guevara Man, and this is Salt and Light Radio. Hello and welcome to Salt and Light Radio on the eve of Palm Sunday. I'm Pedro Guevara Man and here with me also is Chris Dimitrenko. So Good evening, Pedro. Hello, Chris. So what, uh, what are the news headlines for today? Well, I want to talk about this meeting with bloggers that uh, is mm. going to be happening at the Vatican. Right. The Vatican meeting of bloggers. It's the first time it's ever happened. And also, the uh, there was an end of an era on Wednesday, and I'll be telling you about that as well. Well, we're looking forward mm-hmm. to hearing about that in about five minutes. Um, and now, Chris, this week we had a screening in Toronto for Salt and Light's newest documentary, The Sight of Eden. That's right. It was, uh, it was a wonderful evening. Well, what mm-hmm. did you think? What did you think? Oh, it was beautiful. Certainly, to be able to see this film on, on uh, in a, in a full movie theater setting, really brought alive the the visuals of the yeah, film. Yeah, no, it's mm-hmm. a stunning film. We're going to be speaking with Salt and Light producer Matthew Harrison, who directed and produced the film "This Side of Eden." That'll be in the second half an hour of the program. And and Chris, I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm asking you too many questions, but do you think celebrities are people too? Oh, I think they're definitely people. You know, I know a lot of people who pray for celebrities, kind of taking them under their spiritual oh, wing. Uh, yeah. I thought you were going to say that you know a lot of celebrities. No, no, not no, certainly not A-listers, Pedro. Well, you're the only celebrity, but, but D-listers that I know. like you, you know. <laughs> anyway, well, our Hollywood undercover missionary Mark Matthews thinks agrees with you. Celebrities are people too, so he's going to be telling us why in about twenty minutes. And uh, I'm sure that you've heard of the internationally acclaimed British Boys Choir, Libera. I've heard of them. I haven't really listened to their well, music yet. you're going to hear their music today. They are phenomenal. We're going to be speaking with the group's director, Robert Preisman, in the second half an hour. They're, uh, for the first time in Canada, their first Canadian tour, so, so that'll be fun to speak to Robert. And I guess for now, let's begin with uh, their signature song. The song is titled Libera, like the group, from the Visions album. 
That was the internationally acclaimed British boys choir Libra with Libra from their Visions album. Coming up next is Lawrence with our Saint of the Week, but before that, our news. Well, Pedro, it was an end of an era at the general audience on Wednesday. Over Mm -hmm. the past two years, Pope Benedict has been giving a series of meditations on the lives of saints. We've spoken about some of these on the radio. And uh, to conclude this series, he led a reflection on Wednesday on the lesser-known saints, those who haven't been canonized. He said, In my life of faith, there are many saints, but not all of the guides on my path are great saints. He went on to say, I look also to simple saints, those good people I see in my life who will never be canonized, who are normal people, so to speak, Hmm. without visible heroism, but in whose everyday goodness I see the truth of faith. Hmm. And so I think a lot of people can relate to that if you've got a grandmother or Hmm. or some or family friend uh, who is particularly holy uh, who, who you know, remains someone who you intercede yeah, to. Yeah, or mm-hmm. a radio co-host. Uh, yeah, you, well, don't intercede <laughs> to me. But, uh, but this is something that Pope Benedict does as well. Yeah, what a great message. Now, turning to the previous pope, uh, the Vatican announced October 22nd as his official feast day. We were right. waiting for a while to find out what day would be chosen. And this day marks the anniversary of his papal inauguration way back in 1978. Right. And uh, for a year, Catholics will be able to celebrate a Mass of Thanksgiving. Now, normally these Masses of Thanksgiving are limited to where the person lived or worked, but because John Paul II influenced really all of us, he was more of a universal figure, Mm -hmm. the Congregation for the Divine Worship and the Sacraments uh, is allowing uh, this to happen everywhere. So you're allowed to do this Mass of Thanksgiving, uh, with the, the local bishop, or, or if you're from a religious order, the superior general, uh, they have to approve the dates, and it must be within a year of the beatification, so until May 1st, 2012. Okay. Now, Pedro, uh, you heard about this meeting at the Vatican for bloggers. For bloggers, yeah. Um, which, which really took a lot of people by surprise, and uh, it, was, it was only announced uh, about a week ago and considering that it's happening on May 2nd, mm-hmm. which is the day after the beatification, not a lot of time to, uh, to plan for this. Um, the aim is to allow for dialogue between bloggers and church representatives. There's going to be two panels. One of them is going to be with five bloggers representing different language groups and, and parts of the world. Another is going to involve uh, people involved in uh, the church's communication outreach and uh, how to make sure that bloggers are engaged with the church mm-hmm. and how to make sure the church is engaged in new media. Some of the participants are Cardinal Ravazzi, uh, Gianfranco Ravazzi from the Pontifical Council for Culture, Archbishop Chaley, who heads the Pontifical Council for Social Communications, and that's the body that's organizing this, right. the Pontifical Council for Social Communications. And uh, now some people have been complaining not only about how there wasn't much time before the announcement of this, but that space is limited to 150 seats. Hmm. And how are they going to decide who gets to go? Right. Well, they've said already that uh, they want a representation of the entire blogosphere, so different languages, geography, types of blogs, subjects of blogs. And, uh, and so they've even said that, that non-Catholic bloggers are welcome to 
to submit as well. Interesting. And even though some people were complaining about the deadline, that didn't that didn't stop people from from applying. As of Monday, they received four hundred requests. Wow. And they closed the uh, the application process on Wednesday. Now today, the Pontifical Council for Social Communications published the list of participants. You can go to their website, pccs.va. That's pccs.va to see if your favorite blog, uh, your favorite blogger, yes. is going to be at this meeting. Very interesting. I guess that means that the church is recognizing the influences, the influence that bloggers do have among Catholics or people around the world. So that'll be interesting. I guess we'll be uh, following up and see what comes out of that meeting. And you can imagine that during and after this meeting, there's going to be uh, a, a lot of a lot of buzz on the blogosphere about what went on. Absolutely, and they're all presumably in Rome for the beatification. Mm-hmm. So that'll be good. Well, thank you very much, Krista Matrenko, our Salt and Light Radio News producer. If you'd like to comment on anything that you hear on this program, tell us who your favorite Catholic blogger is. We love to hear from you. Our email, radio at saltandlighttv.org. In about 10 minutes, we have a diocesan update, so stay tuned. Hi, this is Greg Walton, and you're listening to Salt and Light Radio on the Catholic Channel. I'm Pedro Guevara Man. Our website is saltandlighttv.org slash radio. Coming up is our diocesan update, but before that... Our Saint of the Week with Lawrence. Hi, Pedro. So I want to talk about a Canadian. Uh, Canadian oh, good. Bl- blessed, actually, not a saint yet. Okay. Blessed Marie Anne Blondin. Uh-huh. Uh, so her feast day is this uh, coming Monday, April 18th. So she was born Esther Blondin in uh, Terrebonne, Quebec. Yeah. Uh, uh, April 18th, 1809. So she was raised in a devout uh, farming family, uh, learned piety and love of the Eucharist from her mother. And her father as a farmer taught her um, sacrifice uh, mm-hmm. and patience in the midst of suffering. So in 19th century Quebec, um, a lot of people were illiterate and she herself was illiterate. Um, she was, so at age 22, she couldn't read or write. And um, so what happened is she, did, she started to work with the um, sisters of the congregation of Notre Dame mm-hmm. um, as a domestic and um, then she soon entered as a novice, but fell ill um, and then had to leave. So it's kind of like last week when we yeah, talked yeah, about yeah. St. Benedict. It happens a lot, I think. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, I guess it's God's way of saying this isn't for you. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. Um, uh, 1833, uh, she became a teacher. Um, and she found out that the reason why everyone was, all these people were so illiterate, especially um, children in the country, was that the church had the, a rule where they forbid girls from being taught by men and that boys um, had to be taught by women. Really? So what happened is you'd have to have two schools, basically, mm-hmm. and many parishes couldn't afford two schools, so they just wouldn't have any school at all. Okay. So then children just didn't learn to read and write. Interesting. So she went to her bishop and asked if she could start a religious congregation to educate uh, poor children and to have boys and girls in the same school so it was cheaper. Okay. And the bishop agreed. Um, and so she started the Congregation of the Sisters of St. Anne. Wow. Uh, September 8th, 1850. Um, and she was the first superior and she was renamed um, Mother Marie Anne. Mm-hmm. Um, so a few years later after being superior, um, this, the mother house had to move. And they had a new chaplain, or not the mother house didn't move, but they, they grew. And um, yeah, actually the mother house 
Um, so they had to get like a larger mother they, Yeah, exactly. Okay. And they spread. Uh-huh. Um, but the mother host particularly had a new chaplain in this new location. Okay. And they didn't get along. He, oh, the chaplain okay. really was, was trying to impose his will. And um, it, was, it was really ugly. And so it actually got to the point where the bishop told her, um, Blessed Marianne Blondin, to, to leave. Like not to be the superior anymore. Okay. So um, she left. She went to another community, another um, house of her congregation. Okay. And um, she was director there. And then she was told that she had to leave there because there were still issues with this chaplain, oh, like still okay. communications issues. And so she came back to the mother house where the chaplain was, but she was totally um, um, kept away from anything to do with administration. So like she's the... She's the, the founder. foundress, yeah. right? And she's told to basically do dishes and do the wow. laundry. And so mm. she, she does that. Um, she did that for the rest of her life. Um, and um, then um, actually one of the novices uh, came to her when she was doing laundry and stuff and asked her why she was doing such a menial task and she's the foundress of this mm-hmm. congregation. And she replied, the deeper a tree sinks its root, roots into the soil the greater are its chances of growing and producing fruit. Hmm. So I guess in the end, um, uh, the paradox of this whole story is that she was removed from administration and the running of things um, and so that she couldn't kind of interfere with the growth of this community. But in the end, she was more useful as a victim, you know, suffered well, yeah, for the injustices of, yeah. that she... That she that were inflicted upon her. Interesting. So uh, it's just good to hear this story because the Catholic Church has been very instrumental in the institution of schools in Canada. Yeah. So even co-educational schools, that's cool. And can I just tell you that my friend Tim and his wife Melanie, his wife Melanie, yeah. is a direct descendant. She's like a oh, great, wow. great, great grandniece of Marianne Blondin and they named their baby girl Esther. She was born wow. two years ago. Yeah, so there you go. So that uh, goes out to uh, Tim and Melanie on the feast day of uh, Blessed Mary and Blondin, Canadian uh, Blessed, feast day, Monday, April 18th. That's right. Thank you very much, Lawrence. Lawrence Fluco, our saint expert. Uh, Lawrence is going to be back in about 10 minutes to give us our TV programming highlights for Holy Week, so stay tuned. I'm Meg, and you're listening to Salt and Light Radio on the Catholic Channel. Salt and Light Radio can also be downloaded as a podcast at saltandlighttv.org slash radio and also on iTunes. And coming up, celebrities are people too with our Hollywood undercover missionary, Mark Matthews. But first, here's Jenna Murphy with our diocesan update. Yes, indeed. Hello, Pedro. Yes. Welcome back to me. I've been gone yes, for a few I weeks. Yes, I know. But uh, it doesn't take too much to figure out the content of uh, most diocese newsletters going out this yeah, week. Yeah, what's happening this or, week? <laughs> yeah, who knows, right? The holiest week of the year is yeah. upon us. So everyone has Holy Week on their mm-hmm. minds. But first off, before that, if you guys haven't gotten out to the 40 Days for Life, it's happening nationwide right now. Right. This is a really good time to get out there. With Holy Week... Um, Toronto organizer Nicole Campbell of the 40 Days for Life, she says, you know, that is the modern day Calvary. I think that's a really powerful statement for us to get out there 
um, at the abortion clinics right now and pray for those women and their children. So there are closing rallies happening all over Canada in the coming week for 40 Days for Life. In Toronto, Father Stan Fortuna of the Franciscan Friars of the Renewal will be joining them for their closing rally from 7 to 9 p.m. on Monday, that's the 18th, at Dante Alighieri High School. And that's right around the corner, I guess, from their vigil site, so it's easy to get to. Okay, so that, so just to clarify, so that's on Monday, but most of the other sites in Canada, I believe, are having their closing mass or closing rally on the Sunday because the 17th is the official exactly. closing the of official the 40 Days for Life all over the world. Right on. Palm Sunday is yeah. typically when they close that down. So you, you'll want to check the 40 Days for Life website to Absolutely. be sure of those that's dates. 40 Days, 40, the number 40, daysforlife.com. Exactly. So also, if anyone... Is out there is wondering how else they can celebrate. I guess you could say hello, celebrate yeah. for Holy Week. Yes. It is a celebration of sorts. Um, so if you're wondering how you can enter more deeply into the season, you can look all across the country for different events to take part mm-hmm. in. I know a lot of the bishops are really getting the people involved. Uh, for example, the Chrism Masses, typically they've kind of been closed to the public just because it's for housekeeping purposes. Yeah, they, yeah, yeah. they bless the oils for all the sacraments and the priests come and, and receive the oils for their parishes. But this year, a few different dioceses are opening it up to the public so we can all experience how it, how it all works, really, the okay. inner workings. So the Diocese of Montreal will celebrate this Chrism Mass with Cardinal Jean-Claude Turcotte. The Mass will be bilingual, and it will be held at Mary, Queen of the World Cathedral at 7.30, and that's on Wednesday, 7, April the 20th. 7.30, 7:30 exactly. And on the same day, uh, April the 20th, the Wednesday, the Diocese of Quebec will also be celebrating with their new bishop at their cathedral at 7.30. So same day, same time in both of our major French cities. Nice. You can visit the diocesan website for more information. Yes. But moving on to the Triduum, Pedro. Yeah. The best time of the year if you're mm-hmm. Catholic. If you're in Saskatoon on Good Friday, there will be an outdoor way of the cross throughout the downtown core. The stations will begin at 10 a.m. at the courthouse on Spadina Crescent. Uh, and also, Montreal will be holding a way of their cross of their own in their city mm-hmm. throughout the old city. So it'll be really beautiful, I'm oh, sure. Wow. This event is bilingual and it's organized by Communion and Liberation, the movement Communion and Liberation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It will start in old Montreal, as I mentioned, at Notre Dame de Bon Secours at 9.30 a.m. Oh, that'll be very nice. Yes, I wish I could be there for that. Mm-hmm. And on to the resurrection already. Yeah. <laughs> Goodness, it's weird to talk about it right now, but Sunday morning, on top of the many beautiful liturgies we'll experience together as, as Catholics, maybe you might like to uh, invest in an interdenominational party. Yeah. That would be kind of neat. All the faiths are gathering, actually, in Dundas Square on Easter morning. That's in Toronto, the main artery of the city, at 6.30 in the morning. And they're calling this event, get this, the Rolling Stones. Oh, Pretty genius. I, I get it. Yeah. <laughs> this is for all the faiths. Um, the spectacle will be sponsored by the Young Street Missions. And that's all I have for you for right now, Pedro. That's very good. Um, are you going to try to be there on Easter Sunday morning? I are wish you I could. Be in Toronto? I won't be in Toronto at that time. Okay, well, I won't be either. But uh, that sounds like a great uh, way to... Speaking of ecumenical things that we can do, I mean, the resurrection is the one thing that we have in common. Thank you very much, Jenna, our diocesan uh, expert. (laughs) Um, And remember to all our listeners, you can keep us informed of what's happening in your diocese. Just send us an email, radio at saltandlighttv.org. Hi, this is Bob Halligan, Jr. from Kaylee Rain, and you're listening to Salt and Light Radio on the Catholic Channel. My name is Pedro. You can find Salt and Light on Facebook. You can also follow us on Twitter. And in the second half of our program, we'll be speaking with Salt and Light producer Matthew Harrison, producer of the newest Salt and Light film, This Side of Eden. But now it's time for... 
undercover Hollywood missionary, Mark Matthews. Mark is here today to talk about celebrities are people too. Mark, welcome back to Salt and Light Radio. Thank you, Pedro. So what do you mean celebrities are people? I thought that they were just, you know, like uh, fodder for the media. That's right. You know, come on, they're just things we abuse, you know, or they're not even real people. They're just, we love watching their lives fall apart before us, don't we? (laughs) Absolutely. Exactly. Everyone knows about Lindsay Lohan. Um, And (laughs) before I say anything, I should talk. You know, I, when I first moved here, I thought, oh, I should become a paparazzi photographer. That would be really lots of fun. Uh, Are you serious? Um, Are you serious? You're just saying that because it's funny. No, no, no. I'm I'm actually, I I was like semi-serious about it, but I, 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 I was sort of fascinated. I'm like, wow, why do I have this morbid curiosity with becoming a paparazzi or what's going on in the lives of celebrities? Okay, can I just back up? Is, is that why you, is that's not why you moved to Hollywood? I mean, you got a job. No, 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 sorry. I did not move to Hollywood <laughs> to become a paparazzi. To become a stalker. I moved, I moved to Hollywood for visual effects. And then while I was here, I, I thought about becoming a paparazzi. Okay, okay. So you, yeah, and, and, and why? 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 Exactly. That's a fascinating question. Um, why are we fascinated by celebrities? Ultimately, um, I think there's something it's a little bit unhealthy inside of us, and I think the whole quest for celebrity status is a little bit like it's pride. It's a little bit like us wanting to become like God. Um, and there's so much I could say about this, and I would... I, I hope we can come back to this topic some more. Yeah, um, okay. But the thing I want, I guess I kind of want to talk about a little bit today is just to remind us that celebrities are people. Um, and, you know, we, we, we see all these celebrities' you know, lives falling apart, and it's kind of, you, we ask the question, well, why? Why does this happen? Mm-hmm. And the best way I can kind of explain it is if you think about maybe when you were way back in high school, you know, think of, you know, maybe you knew, maybe you were the person with the car, you know, when no one else could drive, yeah. or you were in the opposite position. Remember the kind of the imbalance that created in your relationships that, oh, are these people my friend because they right. really want to be my friend, or are they my friend because I have a car? Um, and this happens, you know, not even just in high school. This happens in any regular adult's life. Uh-huh. Um, now, take that kind of imbalance, you know, and multiply it, multiply it by like a thousand or a million, and you start to realize that some of the world that uh, the world that these celebrities are living in is just filled with, uh, you know, kind of like yes men in a sense. They have no boundaries. Um, yeah. And humans are meant to live in boundaries. Okay, so, so that's, that's kind of what celebrity attention does for celebrities because they live in that world, but what is giving celebrities attention do for us? You're, yes, you're saying yeah. that this is a good so, thing? Exactly. So it does two things. So one is, um, <laughs> one is if we're watching a celebrity's life fall apart, you know, that, that can be pride in us going, oh man, you know, I'm so glad I'm not that person. But then also, it also has the opposite effect of, you know, anytime you're watching that person's life or that person's lifestyle, uh, whether you consciously realize it or not, it's creating a desire in you for that thing as well, too. So, so, th- so this is this is my Lenten challenge: is is don't pay attention to what's going on in the lives of celebrities unless it's you know actually acting related. If it's just their life falling apart, 
you know, turn it off. Don't contribute to that and don't hurt yourself by watching it. Okay, well, that's a good Lenten challenge. Can I, can I before we dive into the Lenten challenge, can I ask you, do you get a chance sure. to, to meet, do you get a chance to meet celebrities? Um, I have. Yeah. yeah. Um, I can't really kind of say who. Um, <laughs> and, you know, there's, I've either occasionally met celebrities or, you know, what I would call, like, say, I'm friends with, like, or D-list celebrities, you know, like people you would probably know, but that you don't really remember. But would you like go to a party or something and there's, I don't know, you know, Martin Sheen or something? Um, I don't get to go to those kind of parties, <laughs> okay. but I will see events around where those things are going on. Or I know people that know people who go to those kind of parties. Yeah, yeah, okay. <laughs> okay, so that's it. Yeah. I'm not going to ask so, any more so, about but, celebrities because I'm, I'm going to start my Lenten challenge. There we go. Yeah, don't don't even don't even ask. Don't even ask what's going on in their life, Pedro. Okay, very good. I do want to I, I do want to come back. Maybe not next time or, or another time, but talk about this idea that if we become like celebrities, we can be like gods. That's a very interesting idea too. <laughs> it, it's a fascinating it question. Is. Why are we Why are we fascinated by celebrities? Yeah, and that's okay. the only answer I have. So, and, and maybe maybe we can bring Martin Sheen with with you so, to to be your co-host. I'll, I'll bring some celebrities with me, and we can interview them and find out. Absolutely. Well, thank you very much, Mark Matthews. He's our undercover missionary, um, the source for everything Catholic in Hollywood. Hello, this is Danielle Rose on Salt and Light Radio on the Catholic Channel. Our blog is saltandlighttv.org slash blog. My name is Pedro, and back with me now is Lawrence with our programming update for okay. Holy Week. Pedro, so yes. we have uh, Palm Sunday tomorrow, Sunday. Yep. Um, April 17th, the start of Holy Week, and we will have um, the Palm Sunday Mass with uh, Pope Benedict in Rome, and uh, this is going to be at 9.30 a.m. Eastern, at 6.30 a.m. Pacific. This is English commentary, our own Salt and Light English commentary. It's not live, um, but that's when it is. Okay, so that's tomorrow, Palm Sunday, at 9.30 a.m. Eastern, 6.30 a.m. Pacific. Thank you very much. And uh, I know that we're going to have a featured interview coming up with Matthew Harrison, but the film This Side of Eden will also premiere tomorrow right. at 8.30 p.m. and 9.30 Pacific. Uh, but you'll get more information about that coming up. And then uh, April 21st on Thursday is Holy Thursday, so we have the Mass of the Lord's Supper live at 11.30 a.m. Eastern. Um, and then we repeat it at 8 p.m. and midnight Eastern. That's 5 p.m., 9 p.m. Pacific. Pacific. Okay, so that's Holy Thursday. Again, uh, Mass with the Holy Father. 11.30 a.m. Eastern. That's 8.30 a.m. Pacific. That's live, but a rebroadcast in the evening at 8 p.m. and midnight Eastern. That's 5 p.m. and 9 p.m. Pacific. Right. And then Good Friday, we have the celebration of the Lord's Passion the Holy Father, live at 11 a.m. Eastern, 8 a.m. Pacific, and then repeated, same thing, um, in the evening, 8 p.m. Eastern, 9 Pacific. Okay. And then, yeah. yeah, and then there's also the Way of the Cross from the Colosseum in Rome with the Holy Father. That's after, and that's live at 3.15 p.m. Eastern, 12.15 p.m. Pacific. There's no rebroadcast. Okay, but there is a rebroadcast of the celebration of the Lord's Passion. Right. At 8 okay. p.m. Eastern, 9 Pacific. Okay, great. So, And then Easter Vigil, Holy Saturday, we will have that live at 3 p.m. Eastern, 12 p.m. Pacific. And we also are going to repeat that at 
Midnight Eastern. Okay. 9 p.m. Pacific. One, only one repeat. So English. that's great. So people can uh, tune in and uh, watch the vigil with the Holy Father before they go to their own vigil. That's right. So that's 3 p.m. Eastern on Saturday and, and uh, noon Pacific. And then a repeat at midnight and 9 p.m. Pacific. Uh, thank you, Lawrence. Uh, happy Holy Week. Thanks, you too. I guess, uh, I guess we'll, Looking be at, forward to we'll, it. we'll be at work, but, yeah. um, but happy Holy Week anyway. Um, remember uh, to all our listeners, listeners, if you are outside of our TV broadcasting area, if you're outside of Canada, just, you can watch all our programs streaming live at saltandlighttv.org. And coming up in our second half hour is a featured chat with Libera director Robert Preisman and Salt and Light producer Matthew Harrison will tell us about his newest film, This Side of Eden, so don't go anywhere. If you've ever been to a Benedictine monastery, you'd know that life in a monastery is anything but ordinary. And it's no different at Westminster Abbey in the town of Mission, British Columbia. Salt and, Light, Salt and Light's newest film, This Side of Eden, presents a poetic, compelling, and richly intimate portrait of the life of the Abbey in the days of Holy Week and the Easter Tridium. Now, this film is really more of a meditation than it is a film. It's a meditation, and it offers a glimpse into a unique way of life which is grounded on earth but lived looking beyond. And to tell us about the film and about his experiences filming at a Benedictine monastery, here with me now is the film's director and producer, Matthew Harrison. Matthew, welcome back to Salt and Light Radio. Thanks, Pedro. It's great to be here. So why, why make this film? Well, uh, first of all, our CEO, Father Thomas Rizika, he had been out to, uh, to Westminster Abbey mm-hmm. to, uh, on retreats, and I believe he was even out during Holy Week, and he was very impressed by the, the monks' liturgy. Okay. Uh, so he thought it would be a great story to tell. He framed it first as the making of Holy Week. And so with that in mind, I went out, this is about two years ago, April 2009, I went out a month ahead of Easter and, and scouted things out and thought, you know, how can, we, how can we tell Holy Week and the Easter Triduum at the monastery? And just spending time with the monks, I realized, you know, we really have to frame this in the context of their life, too. So, so the film became um, a look at the Benedictine life and how the liturgy flows into it and really how their life is fueled by their mass, by, by their times of prayer. Okay, okay. And, and what better time than the, the climax the of time. the church's yes. liturgical calendar, the Easter Triduum. Okay, because I was going to ask you, what is it about the Benedictine life style that makes liturgy so uh, right? Well, there's something very meditative about it. Uh, I mean, that's one thing I noticed when I went there. First Mass, the very first Mass, and we were praying the Our Father. Mm-hmm. And I don't know about you, Pedro, but when I, when I go to Mass here in Toronto, I, I just find that we maybe, we don't think enough about what we're saying. No. We kind of speed through parts of the Mass. Yeah, and yeah, we speed yeah. through the Our Father. So yeah, we yeah. came to the Our Father, and it's like, okay, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And at that point, they were still, the monks were at <laughs> Our Father. You know, it's very, it's very paced. It's slower. It's more yeah. meditative. I'm not saying that we don't pay attention to the words, mm-hmm. but there just seemed to be an awareness. And I think really the fact that they, they have this awareness and that they put this effort into the liturgy, it really shows, it really mm. elevates it. It makes it quite beautiful. And that, that awareness and that um, contemplative, meditative 
way. That that is everywhere in their life. In all the work they do, when they're out in the fields, when they're teaching classes, all these are moments of holiness and of sanctification. And there's, you know, doing the dishes isn't just doing the dishes to get them done and move on to the next thing, but it's a moment to grow in holiness. And mm-hmm. that was a great thing that, you know, we really tried to capture that in the film also, because yeah. I think it's important, yeah, an did. important reminder for us too, that us working out here in our jobs and offices or, or, or teaching or wherever, mm-hmm. that these are moments too that we can grow in holiness. Yeah, that's true. Now, so being there for Holy Week, how did, how did being there help you? Did you, like, did you discover anything new about Holy Week or the liturgies that you hadn't realized before, but because they do it so well? Well, I think certainly the, um, that meditative aspect, being reminded about that and to really, to, uh, to use a cliche, to, to stop and smell the roses kind of thing, okay. and to really to, to just consider how each part of my life can be a prayer. And that's mm-hmm. kind of what we want the viewers to to experience as well. But also there's there's different aspects of, of the liturgy that we we try to do some uh, some creative editing. And our editor, Mark Boudignon, did a fantastic mm-hmm. job. And I should also say George Hosek, our cinematographer, did mm-hmm. a, an amazing job yeah, it is capturing beautiful. the images. It's because it's a story we had to tell through images. Um, but anyways, like for instance, you see Holy Thursday, we have the washing of the feet during the liturgy of, uh, of the Lord's Last Supper, but it's also intercut with uh, the abbot of the, of the abbey serving the monks at table. Yes. And this idea of serving people. So, yeah. I mean, things like little, little bits like that where these little reminders that we have present in the liturgy, but how they can become real yeah, in our own lives. That's true. And just a reminder for anyone tuning in at this time, you're listening to Salt and Light Radio. I'm Pedro Guevara, man. We're speaking with Salt and Light producer, uh, Matthew Harrison, he's the producer and director of our newest film, This Side of Eden. Now, you chose to uh, a very specific style of filmmaking. Um, I don't want to say that it's slow because it isn't, but it's, I guess, more conducive to meditation. Was yeah. that done purposely oh, because definitely. of that? I mean, there's, um, and that, that was because of their way of life because they had a slower pace of life. And so we wanted to capture that pace, and we wanted to draw viewers in so, so they felt like they watching were watching it, yeah, it does force you yeah. to slow down. And there's a, I mean, there's a lot of little things that we, we were very conscious of doing. Like, for instance, the interviews, there's no coverage of footage over the people speaking. There's no dissolves. It's all straight cuts. It's all very raw and maybe real or organic. We kept it as stripped down as possible because that's kind of what their life is like. Okay. You know, there's not a lot of bells and whistles, so to speak. I mean, there's different kinds of bells. Yeah, there and are bells. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, until uh, the triduum comes along, but then yes. those bells fall silent. But that's a whole other story. Yes. Um, but it's a very, it's a simple life, but it's a beautiful life, and it's a very uh, generous life as well. How do you think that watching this film can help people enter deep, deeper into the the mystery of of the triduum or Holy Week? Well, I just hope it it, it frames for people the triduum in a different way. I think sometimes we might think of, we might approach the triduum as, oh, well, this is the those three days of the year where we're going to be at mass nonstop. It seems like we go to church and then we come home and then, it's oh my gosh, it's literally. back into the yeah. car and we're off to the church again. But I really want to, I think there's key moments that sort of stand out for everyone mm-hmm. from each of these liturgies. And we wanted to capture that and maybe just cast a new light and see it in a different setting outside of what, what someone might be familiar with and try and, link it with everyday life um, and, and just have people consider if they see it now before the Trudum, maybe that'll be in the back of their mind when they go to their own Trudum yeah, uh, masses or the Good Friday service. 
and maybe that will help them enter more fully into it. What's the one thing that you're going to remember, not just from making the film, but from being there with the, with the monks on, on Holy Week? Oh, my gosh. There's, yeah. Well, there's many things. I mean, um, a lot of lessons were learned for me, um, certainly just from a spiritual point of view and really uh, the beauty of the liturgy, but also from a personal point of view, too. I went in with an idea of how we could make this film and the, the different parts that I wanted. Mm -hmm. But when I got there, I found that some of those things weren't going to work. And even when I got back and we looked at the footage, you realized that some of those things weren't going to work. So I really had to sort of surrender my will to God and say, you know what, Lord? Yeah. Whatever you want to come out of this film, let it come out. Let yeah. it come forth. Yeah. So there's that surrender that I really took. And that kind of reminded me that, you know what, I'm not in charge. You yeah. know? And this is being done for the greater glory of God. So that's certainly something that that came about. And also to trust in the people around me. Again, I had a fantastic crew. George Hosick, the cinematographer, David LaRosse, the camera assistant, Mark Boudignon, the editor, lots of support back here with uh, our uh, producer, Gita Hosick, and Father Rizika. So just to really trust in, in people and their expertise and, and you know, realize that it's, uh, you know, to surrender myself to to bring this story to, to fruition and, uh, you know, trust in those around me. Well, we'll that's good. It. That's a good, uh, that's a good lesson for good all lesson of us. Good lesson for Holy Week, For too. Holy yeah. Week, especially. Well, thank you very much, Matthew. Matthew Harrison, he's a Salt and Light uh, TV producer. He is the producer and director of This Side of Eden, our newest documentary. Now, if you're curious, This Side of Eden will premiere on Salt and Light Television tomorrow, Palm Sunday, at 8.30 p.m. Eastern, but it's also going to repeat at 9.30 p.m. Pacific time. Um, and remember, if you're outside our broadcasting area, you can watch all our programs streaming live on our website, saltandlighttv.org. So no excuses not to watch the film. And you know what? You can also uh, go to that same website and find out how you can purchase the DVD because um, it's, it's quite... Uh, I guess it's a film, but it's an experience. It's, it's a very, very moving uh, meditation piece. So thank you, Matthew. Thanks a lot, Pedro. And here now is our featured group of the week, Libra with Sanctus.
That was Libera with their song Sanctus. Now, since we've already heard a couple of songs, I don't need to tell you that when people say that the Libera sound is the sound of angels, they're onto something. The internationally acclaimed British boys choir is known for their many TV appearances in the UK and the US, as well as many performances, including one at the Kennedy Center Honors. Now, this performance was followed by their participation at the Papal Mass with Pope Benedict XVI at Yankee Stadium during his visit to the United States. Libera now... Libra is now on their first Canadian tour, and so I'm happy to say that the group's director, Robert Preisman, is uh, joining me now on the phone on Salt and Light Radio. Robert, welcome to Salt and Light Radio. Thanks very much, yes. So congratulations. I, I, I first heard about Libra maybe three or four years ago, and I, I've, I've, it's, you're doing an amazing, <laughs> amazing work. Well, right? that's very kind of you. We just kind of do what we do, really, and it's really wonderful to have it received so warmly, really, across so many different countries. So can you just give us a little bit of history? How long has the group been um, in existence? It was about 10 years since we first did a Libera album, and the sort of whole concept evolved around then. Um, and then it's kind of gone on from there, really. And so we're on about our seventh or eighth album now and lots of different sub-releases and things and uh-huh. many different videos and various other sort of concert right. tours and things all over the world. It certainly didn't start at that size of activity, but it's sort of grown right. really despite kind of uh, any a particular effort to uh, kind of make it a big marketing exercise. I mean, obviously, we've got a, a, a very supportive record company, but yeah. um, it, it's kind of happened on its own accord to some extent. Yeah. So, and you've been involved since the beginning? Uh, yeah, absolutely, yes. It, it seemed to be a good idea, a good way to go, really. And I, I think maybe some of the music you've heard, in a way, kind of typifies it, really, so that some of the music is very original, yeah. and it's stuff that we put together ourselves, and it's sort of influenced quite a lot of it by the sort of ancient plain song and so forth. And some of it is based on perhaps a classical, well-known piece that happens to work really well vocally, so something like uh, The Sanctus, I think you might have heard, yes. which is based on on the famous... A canon by Packerbell. Um, so it's our own sort of twist on that. But always with the voices kind of leading. We didn't sort of just think, oh, well, let's get some uh, choir boys together and stick some beats down and, um, you know, market something uh, as uh, choir boys yeah. and hip or something. You know, it was right. never intended for that kind of thing. It was no. meant to be its own sound. No, you're right. And it is it is their own sound. It's very unique. Now, so how does it work? I mean, obviously, the children that were singing 10 years ago are not singing today. No, although some of them are still singing with the uh, sort of broader manifestation of the group because okay. at home in the UK we do lots of things with a, the larger group um, okay. as well and uh, that would involve some of the older ones. So we don't, there isn't a kind of point at which we say, well, your voice has gone low now so we don't want to see you anymore. That absolutely doesn't happen. And quite a lot of them are still involved with the group anyhow on the staff and they may be writing the music. Okay. Some of them help write. Some of them you know, help with the technicality. So there's a larger liberal community. And all that kind of stuff stuff so it's it's quite a big family really um so uh-huh. no you're right it isn't the same people but uh, it's a sort of development and a okay. constant evolution so you're auditioning for 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 spots all the time um well every year really we have to recruit a certain number of new talented young ones so they're uh-huh. going to be about seven or eight um and some of them won't have sung before at all really or indeed even thought about doing anything like it wow um they don't come to us you know as sort of already fully produced choristers with their audition pieces or anything yeah uh, because they'd be too be too old by that stage right uh, it's that you know if anything makes the group work really well both in terms of music but also in terms of teamwork it is their homogeneity 
really that you get from them having grown up together. Right. So are you looking for singers who already, you know, I mean, obviously they're talented and they have the voices, or is there some, some schooling education that goes with it, training to help well, them no, develop the voices? Well, no, because they're too voices? young, really. What you're looking for is a kind of musical intelligence and uh, uh -huh. hopefully a sort of brain and attitude that, that will make it uh, good for what we do with Libera. I mean, you can hopefully more or less teach anyone to sing adequately, um, but in the time that we have, given that, you know, they have to really be out performing with us well this time we've got three boys who are nine so they're actually out with us in Canada now mm -hmm. they joined us only a couple of years ago so you've got a very short amount of time to do it in so you need to have a degree of a natural aptitude really to have a chance Right. Okay, now just a, a note for anyone tuning in at this time. You're listening to Salt and Light Radio. I'm your host, Pedro Guevara. Man, we're speaking with Robert Preisman. He's the director of the group Libera. Now, um, can you tell us a little bit about maybe some of the highlights of the work that you've done? Because you've, you've done a lot. But what have, would have been, I know the, the Mass with Pope Benedict was probably right up there, but any other highlights? Oh, wow, yes, that was an extraordinary occasion that was really and it all sort of came about a bit at the last minute really and uh, rather wonderful that uh, we were able to uh, sing that yeah um, uh, I, I think there's so many different moments really and I think if you work with a group like ours the moments can be large as well as small and you could name moments like that or something like the St. Louis Basilica where we, we, we performed last year you know to a packed uh, audience or mm -hmm. you know wonderful very unique places like the Crystal Cathedral in Angeles and so forth um, but equally you know it might be some very quiet little singing that we do uh, you know perhaps one evening when there aren't that many people there and um, you know some something very memorable about it or it might be you know just a journey and the and the, the sort of teamwork and the general sort of uh, friendship that uh, the, the Libra uh, is really yeah yeah now as as director I guess you're also a little bit of a of a father figure, mentor. How much of this experience for the for the boys is it? I mean, it's not just let's get out there and sing and and you know or make recordings, but how much of it is that? Is it a a life education or or maybe even a spiritual education? Well, I think it, it probably is to a greater or lesser extent all of those things, um, but you can't really tell in each case what it will right, be right. and for some of them it really will be something that might you know it sounds rather dramatic but it might change their life for others it might be just something that they did and they really enjoyed and for a short time and they never really did it again mm -hmm. um, and I, I think that lots of different sort of seeds are sown by the group they may be musical they might be spiritual um, they, they might be to do with teamwork and self-discipline and friendship and you know, all, all manner of different levels on which it, it might work. But to actually kind of set out and say, well, this is what we want to do for every child, right. would, would you'd be a bit of a dream, really, to, to be able to predict exactly <laughs> how good Absolutely. it might. I hope it's always a positive thing for everyone, of course. <laughs> yeah, uh, But of you course. can't really tell. Yeah. Okay, so you're in Canada now for the first time touring in Ontario. Yes, absolutely. Um, um, uh, how, come, how come it's taking you 10 years to come to Canada? No, I'm just putting you <laughs> well, on Well, the, the whole thing with the touring is, of course, it needs so many things to come together because it's so... I'm sorry to 
you know, besmirch the conversation really with money. But I mean, the, the thing well, is, it costs no, so much to, so true. to travel that many people you across 40, the world. There's 40 you boys? Know, the airfares and all that kind of stuff. And the parents can't, they don't pay. You know, you can't expect the parents to be paying no. you know, every thousand pounds or something every time we go on tour. Yeah. Um, they'd be a bit short of money by now. Um, <laughs> so it's quite difficult. So you have to have all the opportunities for, for the, the, the promotion and the, the, the appearances to come into place. Um, but you are right in one way because the reception we've so far had, and we've only been here a short time, but certainly in terms of mm-hmm. ticket sales and so forth, it's been so terrific um, that you know we really ought to have been here before and certainly ought to come again. Well, hopefully you'll come back again. I do understand that you, you the support that you're getting is obviously not from the audiences, but also from a lot of sponsorship. Like you said, you have to raise funds to pay for airfares and some of the other costs, so you're getting a lot of support from local organizations. Yes, it's, it's going very well, and people have been very good about that. And, of yeah. course, obviously, we're always very grateful for any new help that we can have uh, because it is always a struggle I'm afraid um, yeah. but you know, we want we want to keep trying to bring the music to, to audiences live first hand you know not just uh, yes. CDs yes well you're doing like I said an excellent job um, a reminder there are five more performances taking place uh, in Ontario there's April 17th in Toronto April 18th in Kitchener yes that's right yes. April 19th in Chatham yep the 22nd of April in Hamilton, and the 24th in Guelph. Yep, that's right. So those are all taking place. People can find out uh, more information at your website, Libra. Yes, absolutely. Libra.org.uk. Yep. So they can find uh, information specific to the tour, but also general information on the group or how how to purchase the albums or anything that you... That, that that they might want. So, uh, Robert, it's been a pleasure speaking to you. Thank you so much. Thank um, you. Congratulations again. And uh, I'm actually looking forward to uh, being at one of the concerts. Oh, I'm glad to see you. Here now is Libra with their song Wings of a Dove from their Visions album. listening to Wings of a Dove from Libera's Visions album. And that's the end of our program this week. Remember to check out the links to our artists or guests on our website, saltandlighttv.org slash radio. And remember, Salt and Light Radio is part of Salt and Light Catholic Media Foundation dedicated to bring light to the world through media. We have a ton of media resources, a great blog at saltandlighttv.org slash blog, a huge video library. Check it out. It's all at saltandlighttv.org. And don't forget, if you want to comment on anything that you hear on this program, you can write to us, radio at saltandlighttv.org. Thank you for listening. I'm Pedro Guevara Man, and this has been Salt and Light Radio. Oh, 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 oh.